Okay, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for another day to gather together like this as your children, your adopted ones. We are your family. We thank you so much for bringing us into your household and being the good father that you are. As we struggle through the devil's world, Father, and we battle our sinful natures, we know you're always there with us every step of the way. And Father, we ask that, that you increase our faith and therefore our confidence in you, as well as to have proper fear of you as our God and Creator. Father, most of all, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who made this all possible for us so that we could actually possess salvation and not be in fear or worry of those things as you've granted us eternal life through trusting in your Son. We ask that you bless this message right now. Help us all concentrate. Help us all forget about the details of life, but give ourselves over to you. Open up our hearts and our minds to hear your message tonight. It's in Christ's precious name we pray by the power of your Spirit. Amen. The Lord is our confidence, part 14. Uh, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 23. We're going to start there again in this wonderful psalm, which, um, you know, I was reviewing before, before service, and I was just thinking you could read this psalm a hundred times, and you, you wouldn't get it all because it has so many um, points in there, so to speak. It has so many things to dwell on. It's, it's just wonderful. But as we read it right now, just keep an eye out for David's confidence. Keep an eye out for David's confidence in the Lord. So Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord was David's confidence, and he should be ours as well. We're here tonight taking in God's word to understand and grow in the Lord, to understand the Lord better, to get closer to him, to know him better, and to acquire the faith, the type of faith that David had, which comes from persistent and humble seeking. That's the only way it comes. David was so intimate with the Lord, even as a shepherd boy, taking care of sheep, killing a lion and a bear, because his confidence in the Lord was so great. He was intimate with the Lord. Why? Because he came to know the Lord better and better. 
he was persistent and humbly seeking. On Sunday, Pastor talked about what he called a generic definition of confidence. If we were to be objective about confidence before applying it to our own lives, we might say this. Confidence simply means that you have a certain level of assurance that an object is able to do something. If we would be really objective, like cut out anything personal or, you know, thinking of certain people or certain things, just cut it out. What, what, what could you just say confidence plainly is? This came out on Sunday. That you have a certain level of assurance that an object is able to do a certain thing, whether good or bad. What came out on Sunday is what appears to be an oxymoron on the board. The source of confidence. We have confidence in the things we fear the most. I mean, when I first heard that on Sunday, I was a little bit taken back or puzzled, to be honest with you. We have confidence in the things we fear the most. Ask yourself, why would we have confidence in them in the absence of fear? We have confidence that there's something to fear and respect, something real and powerful. For example, God himself. So as you think about this point on the board, which does take some pondering, whatever it is you fear, whether it be good or bad sources, you fear them for a reason, correct? Think about anything or anyone you, you fear, any fears you have, phobias you have. Spiders, I hate spiders. I was at some guy's house doing an appointment the other day, spiders crawling on my arm. I almost look like a girl, freaked out. I hate spiders. They really bother me. Um, some people hate the dark or they hate death, right? The fear of death is probably the biggest one. So think of something you fear. Is it not because you have a reason to fear, either through an experience or through someone else's experience? So whether good or bad sources, you fear them for a reason. You fear them because you have confidence they can do what they say they can do. I repeat, as you look at the point on the board, you fear them because you have confidence they can do what they say they can do. If you didn't have confidence they could do what they say, you wouldn't, you wouldn't fear. You, wouldn't, you have no fear. You'd be like, ha, he can't hurt me. She can't hurt me. Because you have no experience there with that person or thing. And therefore, it's not like a reality to you. So from experience you know and you have confidence that these things, whatever they are, have the power to follow through on their word, whether good or bad. And that's why we have confidence in the things we fear the most. So the question on the board again, why would we have confidence in something or someone in the absence of fear or respect? Think of respect too, and this will help you know, smooth this out in your soul. Why should we have confidence in something or someone in the absence of respect? Right? If someone's not reliable, you're not going to have confidence that they're there, that they're going to be there on time. Right? So, therefore, you don't respect them. That they're a person of their word, for example. So, anyhow, we wouldn't, is the point. We wouldn't have confidence in something or someone in the absence of fear or respect.
Fear means we know they can do what they say they can do. We have confidence that they can follow through, whether for good or for evil. So I hope that helps, as I personally had to dwell on this point quite a bit to see what the Spirit was getting at on Sunday. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, for those of you that didn't know that. Not many wise, not many noble. And it's good. It's good that the Spirit makes us think at times, uh, challenges us, and says, uh, I want you to take time alone with me and talk about this with me. So thankfully, we believers have confidence that there's something to fear and respect, something real and powerful and true to respect, and that is God. On Sunday, we also talked about how a young child is fearless to a fault. And this is really interesting to think about because what might appear as confidence really is kind of stupidity. They're fearless to a fault. They don't know any better yet. I was watching the birds on my bird feeder this morning and some bluebirds came with their babies. They were crying out to be fed mouth to mouth at the bird feeder. Then all of a sudden, a large red-headed woodpecker landed on the same feeder. The mama bluebird flew away immediately. Guess what the baby did? Stayed right there. Totally unaware what this big woodpecker could do to it. He was fearless to a fault. Why? Because fear is a learned behavior. This little baby bird didn't learn yet. He should fear the woodpecker that's beak was bigger than his head, you know? He didn't learn yet, so he was oblivious. It's nice until you get injured, right? So fear is a learned behavior, and that's what the Spirit was teaching us on Sunday. That's why we need the Word of God. We have to learn how and why to fear God, and therefore what results is this greater and greater confidence, but it takes uh, a relationship building. So again, on the board, fear is a learned behavior. Injury is an experience, something we learn about. Once injured, we have cause for fear. Anyone, anything that is able to harm us becomes a source of fear. So this is kind of just describing life and experiences. Luke 12, 4 through 5, Psalm 27, 1 through 4, we'll get to in a couple minutes. But for example, if you're injured by a person or a thing, now you have a certain fear of that because you know it's able to hurt you. And that fear actually protects you from further injury in the base sense. But in the case of God, when we experience his hand of discipline upon us, we then rightly fear him as the sovereign of our lives. And... We're therefore confident that he can and will discipline us when we crawl out of the window in disobedience. See Sunday's lesson. Let me repeat that. In the case of God, when we experience his hand of discipline upon us, we then rightly fear him as the sovereign of our lives. And we are confident that he can and will discipline us when we crawl out of the window in disobedience. Why are we confident that he's going to discipline us? Because he did it before. 
we have a healthy fear of him now. So we're confident that he's reliable, so to speak, that he's a man of his word, that he's going to follow through on what his word says. So on the board, confidence from rightly fearing God. When we fear God rightly as the sovereign Lord of our lives, we now avoid the kingdom of darkness sneaking in and getting us to fear counterfeits who are not sovereign over us. Make no mistake, don't buy the lie. Anything in this world, anyone in this world, is not sovereign over us. You know why? Because their control of power over us ends in this life. They can't follow us after the grave. They can't do anything to our soul. As Jesus said, they can only harm the body. So we'll get to that in a minute. But again, on the board, when we fear God rightly as the sovereign Lord of our lives, we now avoid the kingdom of darkness sneaking in and getting us to fear counterfeits who are not sovereign over us. And we know our sovereign Lord, we fear him because he can kick our butts at any time out of his tremendous faithfulness and love toward us as a good father would and should do. And there, my friends, is the correlation between the fear of God and the confidence in God that we should have. He's faithful. Look at it that way. In blessing or discipline, he's faithful. If someone's always faithful, your confidence in them should be through the roof because they always show up. We're going to get to this a little bit later. Remember in Psalm 23 when we read that, um, it says, He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. In other words, God will do whatever it takes to guide His children in the right direction, to have them bring Him glory for His namesake. That's the faithfulness of God. That's why we have confidence in Him, because He does guide us in these paths, even when we're off even when we're straying. The rod and the staff are there for a reason. So the following passage is a perfect example of the point on the board. Uh, on the board, I'll, I put this up here for you, Luke 12, 4 through 5. Jesus said, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more they can do to you. In other words, they're not sovereign over you. They might even think they are, but they're not. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So this attitude that you see here on the board, David had this attitude. His fear and confidence in the Lord was so great that he feared no man. What a wonderful place to live in, right? What a wonderful sphere to live in, in your soul. People of the world would say it's like fantasy, so to speak. You know, that's not like, you know, people sarcastically say, that's a nice place you're, you're living in, right? What, 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 are you, what are you thinking, they might be saying to you. You're, you're thinking unrealistically. David's fear and confidence in the Lord was so great he feared no man. Turn to Psalm 27, verse 1. <clears throat> Psalm 27, 1. 
What a beautiful place to live. To have no fear of any other person in this world. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? If you want to do a study, grab a concordance and look up how many times the Bible says do not fear or do not be afraid. You'd be shocked, but that's one of our major weaknesses. So it's repeated over and over to us. Again, verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. I want you to notice something. Do you see in verse 4 how David's eyes were on the Lord? Look at verse 4 again. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Do you see how David's eyes were on the Lord? In other words, he spoke of his enemies even surrounding him in verse 3. But his focus was totally on the Lord and dwelling in the Lord's house. Almost like he didn't see his enemies. Or at least he looked right past them. Why? Because he knew in that place, in the Lord's house, no one could touch him. He knew that his only true protection and safety was in the presence of the Lord. So even his enemies didn't really bother him. I will not fear, for example, right? His eyes were on the Lord. And that relieved all the other pressure. Do you see the point? He was able to look past his enemies, keep his eyes on the Lord, and that relieved all the other lies that he could have bought, the counterfeit fears that he could have bought. We might say David was rightly obsessed with dwelling in the house of the Lord. If we should be obsessed with anything in this life, it's the Lord and His presence in our lives, in our hearts, in our daily thoughts and activities. Like even the little things, right? If you have a best friend in this life, your best friend is often there with you for the little things, the details. They don't even mind. It could be something meaningless you've got to go do. They want to go do it with you. Well, that's the Lord, Jesus Christ. That's how it should be with us. So if we should be obsessed with anything in this life, it's the Lord and His presence in our lives. And David rightly feared and loved and had confidence in the Lord his God. So we can compare these verses on the board about David's focus on staying in the Lord's presence. We might call it a good obsession. We saw it Psalm 23, 6. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
Psalm 27, 4, Part A. One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That's a good obsession. That's, that's where we should keep our eyes. If, if our eyes are on anything in the world that much, it's, it's inordinate. It's, it's bad. But our eyes should be on the Lord and His presence with us all the time. We might ask ourselves, is the Lord always our focus and our shelter? Regardless of what enemies are trying to distract us. Is the Lord always our focus and our shelter like the Lord was for David? So the idea that we've been dwelling on is that fear is a learned behavior. And therefore, so is confidence. Fear is a learned behavior. Just like the little bird I told you about. The baby bird had no clue what he should fear. He didn't learn yet. Fear is a learned behavior. Fear of God. Proper fear of the Almighty is a learned behavior. And therefore, so is confidence in that same God. With God as our Father, we know God protects our house. We now abide in the household of God, and we know He protects our perimeter. And whenever He doesn't seem to do so, we know He's allowing some testing in our lives for a reason, to bring Him glory, and to teach us not to fear the things in the world but to fear Him alone. So pass the test. Trust God no matter what. Pass the test. Kind of like Frank did. In his daily life, it seemed, he passed the test. He trusted God no matter what, no matter what suffering he was experiencing. And that's why we go through those things. We Sometimes we think God's not with us anymore. God is upset with us or punishing us. Well, maybe, just maybe, he's letting us out of the house, quote-unquote, out of the perimeter that he protects for a reason. To build us, to grow us, to even become a witness against Satan and the fallen angels by faith. So pass the test. On the board again regarding a good obsession. When we learn and come to know that our God and Father is not only good, but also supremely powerful, our confidence soars. Notice I said when we learn and come to know that our God and Father is not only good, but also supremely powerful, our confidence soars. Why, why, why is it phrased that way? Why did the Spirit phrase it that way? Because you have to ask yourself, is this academic only for you? Because if you've been in the Bible, you know, quote-unquote know, the knowledge at least that God is good and He's supremely powerful. You know that academically, but is this a closely held belief in your heart? That's why we have to come to know. We have to grow our faith and our trust in Him. Again, a good obsession Excuse me. When we learn and come to know that our God and Father is not only good, 
but also supremely powerful, our confidence soars. And it's in that sphere that we should be living our lives. In the sphere of His love, actually. That's what that is. He loves us enough to both discipline us and protect us. Why? Because as believers, we're now members of His household. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So everything's different. Once you, you're a believer and you've been saved and you've been redeemed and you've been adopted, our dear God and Father has His radar up for us at all times. The Good Shepherd, for example, is always in protection mode of His sheep. Always. So guess what? If you're ever not protected, it's either by your own bad decisions or... He's allowing you to be tested, your faith to be tested. But make no mistake, God our Father, Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd, they're always in protection mode for their sheep. So do you live your life with that kind of confidence? Do we walk around in the world with that kind of um, pure confidence, sheer, unadulterated confidence, that God is for me and with me at all times. Not letting the fears of the world stop you from going forward by faith. That's one of the biggest shames, I think, is when, when God gives us a test or an opportunity or, or he pushes us in a certain direction, and we know it's from him because of, because of conviction, and we back away because of fear. We say, I could never do that. Or I see the enemies on the sidelines. I could never go that direction. And we back out because of fear. It's really a sad thing because God has this great victory for us on the other side of that step in faith. And we, should, we literally should be unshakable in our confidence. That's the type of confidence we should have in, in the Lord. So you see fear, you should almost, when you see fear, you should almost laugh. You should almost laugh because you know the trick of Satan in the kingdom of darkness. And it doesn't mean the fear is not real to your flesh. It is. Like me and the spider's problem I got. Right? It's, it's real, but in a sense it's foolish. In the light of God Almighty. Right? And what he can protect me and I'm not going to die if he doesn't want me to die and all that stuff. So it's a shame when we don't look fear in the face and walk forward by faith because then we've been defeated by the world in that instance. It happens to us all. But just keep it in mind. Do you live with the type of confidence that the Lord is always in protection mode for you? So we should rightly fear this same God and Father for His discipline because we know He loves us by His discipline. On the board, Hebrews 12, 7. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If your father does not discipline you, you should actually worry. You should be like, wow, my dad doesn't actually really care. This sucks. This is unstable. I feel insecure because my father's not watching over me. You see? 
So if you're being disciplined, that's a wonderful sign that God actually loves you. That's a proof. We should take solace in God's discipline. In Psalm 23, David said, Your rod and your staff comfort me. How do you say that? Unless you have a healthy fear and confidence in who the Lord is. As Pastor said on Sunday, therein lies the dichotomy of a good household. We're protected from without, but exposed from within. The flesh doesn't like that last part, but it's a very good thing. We might say this is how a household was meant to be, meant to function, in perfect love and security and discipline. Again, the comparison we're considering is this on the board, which was David's good obsession. Psalm 23, 6, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 27, 4a, One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Just look at David's confidence here. And this is what made David a man after God's own heart. In Acts 13, 22. He knew his God. He trusted God fully. And he knew no one could harm him apart from God allowing it. In order to share David's confidence in the Lord, we too must seek to dwell in the Lord's house in every way. So now this point on the board should make a little bit more sense to us. The source of confidence. We have confidence in the things we fear the most. Ask yourself, why would we have confidence in them in the absence of fear or respect? We have confidence that there's something to fear and respect, something real and powerful, and that is our gracious, faithful God. And fear is a learned behavior. Injury is an experience, something we learn about. Once injured, we have cause for fear. Anyone, anything that is able to harm us becomes a source of fear. What the Spirit's teaching us here is that confidence is a function of fear. And we must let that sink in. That was pastor's advice on Sunday. Confidence is a function of fear. We must let that sink in. We must dwell on that point. The Spirit's getting at something. If you don't take the time to dwell on it, you're going to miss it. So if you think about it, this is the primary reason that the Lord is our confidence on the board. Confidence is a function of fear. Without first fearing the Lord appropriately, not that perverted fear the Roman Catholics teach, but without first fearing the Lord appropriately, we are destitute of confidence. The very best we could hope for is confidence in the flesh, which is hope minus substance. It's hope without substance. 
confidence in the flesh. There couldn't be much more foolishness than that. Turn to uh, Philippians 3, verse 3. Philippians 3, 3. Excuse me, the allergy is kicking up a little bit. Philippians 3 3. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. That's who we are, we believers. We worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. All I could think of as I was reviewing was vanity of vanities when Solomon says that. All is vanity. What a waste of time to put confidence in the flesh. So we must fear the Lord appropriately. Confidence is a function of the appropriate fear. As Pastor pointed out, this is so much of what the Spirit's been developing in our souls over the last few weeks. So let me share with you how the Spirit worked this out in my soul from Sunday's message. As I already told you, I had to take some time and go over it. Because God is a good Father, we have both fear and confidence in Him, and rightly so. Both of these are rooted and solid, if you will, because the foundation is love. This fear and confidence we have in God as our Father, these are rooted and solid things we can stand on because the foundation of these things is God's perfect love. He loves us so terribly that He's willing to discipline us. As Pastor mentioned on Sunday, you know, when a parent disciplines their child, it hurts them more than it hurts the child. All right? We've heard that expression before, and you probably don't know it unless you're a parent. But God loves us so terribly, He's willing to discipline us, and certainly also to protect us. So think about this. Stay with me here. With the same fear of discipline, whatever fear of discipline we have from our faithful Father in heaven, to that same level, we have confidence in His protection of us. These things are directly related. In other words, on the board, confidence is a function of fear. If we don't rightly fear our Heavenly Father, and His strength to discipline us. We won't have the great confidence we should have in His strength to protect us either. Again, these things are directly related. They function proportionately in our souls. Again, if we don't rightly fear our Heavenly Father and His strength to discipline us, we won't have the great confidence we should have in His strength to protect us either. What's the reason we should have confidence in the Lord? Because my Heavenly Father cares enough about me to discipline me. And He's strong enough to protect me from any and all enemies. What, what could I possibly have to fear outside of Him? 
this confidence, again, is rooted and grounded in his perfect love for us. And as Pastor said on Sunday, humility and rightly placed fear breed confidence. And ultimately, that's a confidence in his perfect love for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're his now, right? We're members of his household. It's a confidence in his perfect love for his adopted ones. So once again, fear is a learned behavior. And the more and more we learn about our God and Savior, the more we get to know him through his word, the more we will grow to rightly fear him and to rightly trust him, have confidence in him. That leads to unshakable confidence in him. And that's how God desires us to walk around in this world. Not arrogant, not prideful or boastful in ourselves in any way, but people, if you walk around in the right confidence that we're supposed to have in the Lord, people will look at you like you're an alien. Why aren't you fearing this situation right now? What's wrong with you? You should be fearing. I think I've told you this story before when um, my good friend Phil was uh, told years ago that he only had about six months to live. He had, you know, complications of diabetes. And um, that's what the doctors came in the hospital room and said. He probably got about six months. And he handled it so well that six more doctors and psychiatrists came in his room and said, do you understand what the doctor told you? Why are you so calm? You should be freaking out right now. It doesn't make any sense to the world, but that's the kind of unshakable confidence God wants us to walk around with out there. And that's what's going to draw people to Christ. But unless we learn, unless, unless we admit fear is a learned behavior and we desire to get to know God more and more and closer and closer, we're not going to come to that reality in our own hearts. So again, fear is a learned behavior. Shall we live in fear of all things injurious to our person then? May it never be. That's not the point. We shall only live in the fear of God. There's a big difference. Psalm 27, 1 and 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. Why don't you turn to 2 Timothy 1 while I put the other scripture up on the board for you. Turn to 2 Timothy 1, 7. First of all, Psalm 27, 1 on the board. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Look at 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power and love and discipline. Again, we shall only live in the fear of God. This also came out on Sunday on the board regarding fear of the Lord. Fear is among the greatest indicators of spiritual health that we've got. We must contemplate this closely. An interesting thing to think about, and again, it seems kind of like an oxymoron. 
fear is among the greatest indicators of spiritual health. But it's true. How high or how great our fear of the Lord is, is going to be how high or how great our confidence in the Lord is. In other words, do we look at the holy God of the universe with the right perspective? If we have no fear of God, we're missing the understanding of his power and glory, of who he really is. And we're taking him for granted in some sense. So again, we're talking here about the fear of the Lord. On the board, fear is among the greatest indicators of spiritual health that we've got. And our pastor said we must contemplate this closely. So again, we're talking about the fear of the Lord here, not worldly fears that lie to us and lead to insecurity. Godly fear, the fear of the Lord, is the only right fear to have, and that leads to confidence. Do you remember we had a lesson a few weeks ago, healthy versus unhealthy fear? The healthy fear is really healthy. <laughs> it's really good for us. It's the type of fear that God meant us to have, the fear of Him, our God and Creator. All the other kinds of fears are unhealthy and, and deceptions and counterfeits. So we must dwell on that until it clicks for us in our souls. So let's consider our previous conclusion on the board, the dichotomy of a good household. We are protected from without, but exposed from within. Fear is framed this way in order to protect us. To dwell in the house of the Lord is to live comfortably and confidently. Remember, David had no fear of his enemies, even though he was surrounded. To dwell in the house of the Lord is to live comfortably and confidently. 2 Samuel 24, 14, Psalm 41, 4, and 51, 3 through 4, and Psalm 23. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel 24, 14. Again on the board, the dichotomy of a good household. We are protected from without, but exposed from within. Fear is framed this way in order to protect us. To dwell in the house of the Lord is to live comfortably and confidently. Look at 2 Samuel 24, 14. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let us now fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. See, David was comforted by both God's rod and staff. He embraced and felt security from both his encouraging guidance, that's the staff, and his strong discipline, that's the rod. David felt security from both. And that's security, my friends, you know exactly where your Heavenly Father stands and that He'll be there every single time. Do you see why the discipline brings security? 
you, you know exactly where God stands and that He's never not going to be there. Whether He has to show Himself in terms of encouragement and gentleness or show Himself in some form of discipline that might be painful. He's faithful. He's there every single time. And that's where the fear of the Lord leads to confidence. And David had this in spades, we would say. In times of distress, even in times of failure, David went directly to the Lord because he knew God was both just and merciful. Okay, think of just and mercy, right? Justice and mercy. Might we say discipline and encouragement? But God's reliable is the point. He's just, and when He's just, He's right in being just. When He disciplines us, He's right in disciplining us. So that's good. That gives me security, because I know He's not going to make a mistake. And then, of course, He's faithful in things like His mercy. He knows when to do both. But David, he wouldn't rely on man for his security. He'd rather go to God and be punished. Go to Psalm 41.4. Psalm 41.4. As we know, David made his mistakes, some very serious ones at times. And he was disciplined severely at times. But David had comfort because he knew God as his father. Psalm 41.4. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal my soul. For I have sinned against you. Go to Psalm 51, 3. You see, David was wise because he went right to the source, regardless of his good or bad circumstances. He knew his God and Savior. Psalm 51, 3. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. In other words, God, I know you're going to do the right thing here. Again, here we see David's wisdom that we all need to adopt in our own hearts, not just academically, such as this on the board. Psalm 23, 4, Part B. Your rod, which is a symbol of discipline, and your staff, they comfort me. We need to adopt that into our own hearts as our own personal system of belief, not just some academic thing. Again, David had confidence the Lord could and would do what he said in his word. And he had confidence that it was all good as well. Whatever the Lord would decide was right. Do you? Do you have confidence that it's all good when God decides it's right to take something away from you that you want? Is it all good because you know him that well and that he's not going to steer you wrong, let's say? David had confidence in the Lord's faithfulness whether it showed up as discipline or protection. At a time of great uncertainty in David's life, during the Absalom revolution against David, 
David stated this on the board. 2 Samuel 15, 26. But if he, God, should say thus, I have no delight in you, behold, here I am. Let him do to me as seems good to him. That's confidence in the Lord. No matter what he decides, it's right and it's good. Even if he says, I have no delight in you, I'll accept it, David said. Because he's always right. Let's look at another passage the Spirit brought up on Sunday. First, I'm going to put this on the board in the ESV, Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Turn in your Bibles to Lamentations 3, verse 19. We're going to read this passage in context, but I wanted to see you to see that translation on the board. Again, the beauty of it, the reason we have such confidence in the Lord is because we know He's always going to be there. Whether it's in discipline or in protection is him is His to decide in His perfect wisdom. But we have such confidence because we know He's always faithful. Great is your faithfulness. Lamentations 3.19 Remember my affliction and my wandering the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the person who seeks Him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and be silent since he has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. Perhaps there is hope. Let him give his cheek to the smiter. Let him be filled with reproach. For the Lord will not reject forever. For if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. For he does not afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a good father to me, a faithful father. Look at verse 32 and 33 again. For if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. For he does not afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men. Sounds like a good father to me. The foundation of David's right perspective was his healthy fear of the Lord God. Now David didn't write this in Lamentations, but it's the same theme. It's the same heart. It's the same perspective about a healthy fear of the Lord God. Again, on the board, in God's good household, 
we are protected from without, but exposed from within. Fear is framed this way in order to protect us. To dwell in the house of the Lord is to live comfortably and confidently. So we'll close with this idea that came out on Sunday also. The Lord God is the head of our household. We are members of a family and a functional one at that. As came out on Sunday, again regarding the dichotomy of a good household, we are family. And Christ is the head, our master, our Lord. And we ought to submit to him with healthy fear. Such as Ephesians 23 states. Turn again to Ephesians 5.23. I'm reminded of the verse in, I think it's Philippians 2, where it says, Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. It is right to have a healthy fear and respect of Jesus Christ as your father even. As we've been studying a shepherd and the shepherd's role. And when you've seen Jesus, you've seen the father. It is very healthy to have a fear for the Lord Christ. He's the head of the family. And he doesn't have the rod for nothing. Ephesians 5.23 For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. Again on the board, we are family and Christ is the head. Our Master and our Lord. And we ought to submit to him with healthy fear. So, as we struggle with our own baggage and even our own misconceptions from this earthly life, we were given wonderful advice from the Spirit on Sunday, and I put it on the board for you. First, pray without ceasing, a la 1 Thessalonians 5.17. That means talk to Him. That means have conversations with Him. Not some formal, proper prayer where you're all stuffy and religious how are you going to pray without ceasing like that no he's your father talk to your father pray without ceasing and then crawl if you must at least you're going forward amen at least you're going forward so if life right now is really difficult um Maybe you're just in a fog or you're confused and you're not, you know you don't have the right perspective, but you just can't figure it out right now. Do this thing on the board. Pray without ceasing. Talk to him. Let him answer you. He will if you pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing and then crawl forward. Keep going forward. At least you're going forward. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much for your word and your spirit and your great faithfulness at all times. Father, help us continue to humbly seek you in persistence. We want to know you better, Father, and understand understand how you think and how you look at life. 
We need you, though, Father, to open our eyes, open our hearts to be able to see these things, Father. We ask that you take us out of the way and help us submit to your spirit and your word. We know it's all for our good, Father. Whatever is good to you, whatever you decide is best for us, we accept because of how great and wonderful you are. Father, we ask that you bless us all as we go and help us bring your word out to a lost and dying world that needs it so desperately. We ask these things in Christ's precious name, and it's by the power of your spirit we pray. Amen.